Welcome to the Courage Marathon meeting. My name is Alice, and I'm a compulsive overeater and your leader for this meeting. Hi. Please join me in the serenity prayer. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, courage to change the things I can, and wisdom to know the difference. Before we get started, we ask that all cell phones or other electronic devices be turned off. It says pause. To protect our anonymity, no photography. (laughs) Okay. No photography, audio, or visual recording is allowed by OA members. This meeting is being recorded by Region 2. The opinions expressed here today are those of individual OA members and do not represent Region 2 or Overeaters Anonymous as a whole. The format for this one-hour session is as follows. I will read an excerpt from a piece of OA literature, share for 25 minutes, followed by three-minute shares from those who wish to share. The topic for the session is courage. The following is a reading from... Oh, I'm supposed to read something here. Courage, the step four principle... Uh, from the OA 12 and 12, page 29. The fourth step calls for us to examine our lives up to the present day, writing down all important actions and events of a moral or ethical nature, our feelings about them, and the character traits in us from which these actions stemmed. Writing this inventory is an important process which tests our commitment to the 12-step program. How can we face this challenge fearlessly as the step asks us to? Those of us who have completed Step 4 have found that taking this searching and fearless moral inventory was one of the most loving things we ever did for ourselves. As we took an honest look at the past, at who we had been and what we'd done, we began to understand ourselves better. That understanding was the beginning of emotional healing. Many of us had lived our lives up to this point with a secret feeling of shame. We carried deep in our hearts the feeling that we were worthless or insignificant. Often this shame stemmed from unresolved guilt over mistakes we'd never fully dealt with. We had never faced our wrongs honestly and acknowledged them, so we were left feeling ashamed. Writing our fourth-step inventory enabled us to begin cleaning up the messes of the past so we could start life over afresh. I'll now briefly qualify and share my experience, strength, and hope on courage for 25 minutes. Um, I'm Alice. I'm a compulsive overeater. Hi, you guys. I um, came into the program on Memorial Day 29 years ago. I just celebrated 29 years of imperfect abstinence. Um, I have written a lot of inventories. I live in Orange County, and there's someone there who calls me Inventory Alice um, because I have been blessed with really, really good sponsors who constantly had me write inventories. I gave away my first inventory um, when I, in my fir- at my first, kind of at my first year mark of being in program, and I really think that's why I stayed, why I've been here for 29 years because I did what they told me to do. I wrote my inventory. I gave it away and I started to make amends. Um, A couple years after that first inventory, and what I say to people who are trying to get through their four-step inventory is just 
write an inventory because it will not be your last. It will be one of many. So just make a start. Just do something. Um, and a couple of years after I wrote that first inventory, I wrote a sex inventory. And to this day, that impresses the hell out of me. Um, and for me, it was less about, it wasn't about intercourse. It was more about my expectations of men. Um, so on my sex inventory was my brother, where there was no, no funny business except, you know, mutual hatred and detest and infighting and jealousy and then mature, ma the maturation process. But um, because I expected him to be a constant source of a steady stream of boyfriends for me, starting in pretty much grammar school, high school, and we went to the same college. That didn't happen. So he was on my list. But giving away, writing down that inventory and giving it away, honestly, is why I think I'm here 29 years later. That really, that for me, that's where the rubber hits the road. So um, the four-step inventory takes a lot of courage, no question. But I think it takes a lot of courage to walk into your first OA meeting. Um, it took courage for you guys to come down here in 120-degree weather for the love of God, you know. Um, and I came in here, I was 26 years old, and I was a very fearful and sad person, and I didn't really know it. Um, I came in with um, probably, I, I don't even really know, maybe, maybe 20 pounds heavier than I am now. Um, at my lowest, I, I've, I kept off 30 pounds, um, but it was a heck of a lot easier to do in my 30s than it is in my 50s. <laughs> um, so I've got pictures that Robin will pass around, but in the pictures you see me in a big pink dress, and that was taken like right before I came into program, and I had was going to a fancy party, and I had dieted for a couple of weeks prior to this party, and then I binged the day of the party because I got here with that, and I had lost the ability to diet. So I, that's how I got here. Um, and when I got here, I had to um, eat a bowl of ice cream to change my kitchen light bulb. I could not function. I mean, I'd gotten through school. I had friends. I had a job. I had a job in the retail industry, which is the wrong place for a compulsive overeater because on the best day of my entire life, I am not model material. And I was around models, and it was it was it was a bad bad place. But that was where my OA Eskimo was because um, we always talked about clothing and what you're wearing and all this stuff. And somebody said, "Well, my roommate lost 20 pounds," and we all asked the inevitable question, "How?" And she said, "OA Overeaters Anonymous." And because of all the drinking I did in college, I had a high awareness of Alcoholics Anonymous, but. Anyway, so I came into OA, and um, I just did what they told me to do. You know, I got a sponsor. The first five years, I went to five meetings a week. Um, they told me to write. I wrote. They told me to read. I read. They told me to do service, pick up cigarette butts, because back in the day, people were smoking in meetings, pick up coffee cups. I just, I did what they told me to do. I came in here with a lot of willingness, because I was really miserable. Um... And I think it takes a lot of courage to, to get into that first meeting. I really do. And then to keep coming back. And to come back when 
things aren't going your way, when you're having trouble with food, or to come back after you've relapsed. And when I first came in and went to all those meetings, all I heard, I don't know what people said, all I heard was what happened to people who stopped going to meetings. And every one of them, honest to God, said, I haven't been to a meeting for six months and I've gained 70 pounds. That's what I heard. I don't know what they really said, but that's what I heard. So for 29 years, I've just kept coming back. The longest I've been without a meeting is um, two weeks, and that's because I had children. You know, I, I delivered a baby, and then you're not supposed to drive for two weeks, right? Um, and just a point on that. Pregnancy is not a condition I recommend for compulsive overeaters because your body naturally expands. But with each, I had two pregnancies, and with each one I gained and lost 30 pounds, which is a really normal pregnancy, which is a miracle for this compulsive overeater because there is nothing normal about me and food and weight gain <laughs> and weight loss. It's, 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 uh, it's, it's, my history is not normal in those areas, which is why I'm standing here. So, um, you know, I didn't really know the topic was courage until a couple days ago, and I just keep thinking of the cowardly lion, courage. You know, if I only had courage, you know, and I started thinking that so much of what we do takes a lot of courage, and it's all about contrary action. That's what it's been for me. If I don't want to go to a meeting, I go to a meeting. If I don't want to call my sponsor, I call my sponsor. You know, because the program for me is about contrary action. I got to do the stuff I don't want to do. Because doing things I wanted to do got me here in the first place. You know, I, um, even as, as, as a little kid, I felt fat. Um, and looking back on pictures, I wasn't fat. I just wasn't skinny. I'm not a skinny person. You know, I have a 16-year-old daughter, and, um, She's never been skinny either. You know, we're, we're curvy. We're not skinny. So to me, normal is skinny. So if I'm not skinny, I'm not normal, therefore I'm fat. That, that was how the, my brain got wired very early on. Both my parents were really um, uh, concerned about their weight. <clears throat> my mom went to Weight Watchers. My dad jumped rope every morning um, and had my brother and me in athletics, like competitive athletics from a really early age. So the whole weight thing was always in my, in my brain. Um, and my dad died when I was 13, which set up a whole, a whole wave of things I was not aware of. Um, in this program, I had to learn how to date. That took a lot of courage. <laughs> you know, my sponsor gave me the assignment to go buy Seventeen magazine because mentally that's about where, or emotionally, that's about where I was when I was, like, in my late 20s, um, you know, learning how to date. Um, and, you know, I've had been blessed with great sponsors, like I said, and it takes courage to call somebody else and complain about the thing your sponsor told you to do, you know? But that's my way of drumming up the willingness to do the thing I don't want to do, is to just, you know, talk about it, yap about it. Um... So what I've, what I've seen in the program is that it, is, it works if you work it the way it's written. There's no room for poetic interpretation or artistic interpretation. This thing works if it's worked the way they tell you to do it. And 
thank you, God, I've been willing to do it that way. So, you know, I started working through my steps in that first year, gave away that first step inventory, um, and then I went about making amends, which I think takes a lot, that takes a lot of courage. Um, And most of the time when I've made amends, people have looked at me like, okay, whatever. Like, it's really for us. It's really, the other person is clueless because the things we do, because I scrutinize every little thing I do. And um, the things I do that are so monumental to me, most people don't even notice, right? So the, if I do something I'm not happy about myself, happy about doing, the person I did it to sometimes notices, sometimes doesn't. Um... And then just it's an ongoing process for me. Most of the time I don't act like a jackass because I don't want to write an inventory because I don't want to make amends. So I don't want to um, have to write an inventory and make amends. So it keeps my behavior in check. Um, I am the mother of teenagers at this point, and that takes a lot of courage. That is a horrible species. That, that you know, I, I don't even know where to begin with that. And, um, but I have a fabulous sponsor who said, what's going on with you that you just want to focus on your 18-year-old son? And I'm like, well, he's 18. He's a maniac. He's pushing the envelope. He's testing everything. He makes me crazy. Honey, what's going on with you that you want to focus on your 18-year-old son? And so then it always comes back to we have to look at ourselves, and that's what the the fourth step and the tenth step are all about. And I've done many inventories on my family. Um, When my food gets crazy, I hate my husband. That's the way it works for me. If I eat sugar, I hate my husband. Um, And like um, my friend said, God bless these people who marry us because it's no picnic, you know. and so I've had to do a lot of inventories about the people closest to me. I, um, I, had, a, I've ha- I had a tremendous career because of this program. Um, and I always forget, I always leave out this part, so I'll say it up front. I, for um, 20, 20, 24 years, I worked for the world's largest candy company. I didn't always work in their candy division. But everywhere I went, everywhere in the world, candy free for the taking. People, tastings. It, it, was, it was, I should have weighed 500 pounds. I really should have. And when I, start, when I got there, I um, just started saying, no, thank you. My body is a temple, temple of doom. And pretty soon, pretty soon people stopped offering me stuff. Um, but that took like five years before they stopped offering me stuff. So I had a tremendous career, a tremendous career. And one of the first places I worked this program was at work. And I would talk to my sponsor about the snake. <clears throat> and as soon as she had enough of hearing about the snake, who I thought wanted my job, and she kept saying, he's got his own job. He doesn't want your job. I had to write an inventory about the snake. I wrote the inventory. I made amends to him in front of the vending machines, how apropos. And he kind of looked at me like, Okay, whatever. Literally, 72 hours later, he and another woman and myself were sent to Europe on a 17-day business trip together. So thank God I had cleaned up my side of the street to be with this guy for 17 days. And we we had a wonderful time. We had so much fun. Um, Then I had a boss 
who I nicknamed Michette. Um, her name was Michelle. So then I'm not a mature person standing before you. And then my, so my sponsor said, I think you need to write a, an inventory. So I wrote an inventory, and honest to God, it came down to the fact that she was young and a size zero. She had, I didn't want her job. She, she, she was very ambitious, and she had been, um, they, a new position had been created, so she was my new boss, which wounded, you know, my sensitive nature. Um, but I didn't want her job. I didn't want to have to do all the stuff she had to do. She was very good at what she did. She and I became such good friends, we would walk through fire for each other. She left the company. She has hired me to do projects for her new company at, are you ready, twice what my old company pays me to consult for them. So, you know, these, this inventory stuff works, you know, it works. The other thing that's really worked for me is page 552 of the old big book where it talks about if you have a resentment, pray for the person for two weeks, pray for their health, happiness, and welfare, or whatever the words are. And um, for me, it's never worked in two weeks. It's always been six months minimum. <laughs> But that works. Like, this stuff works. That's, that's what I'm telling you. Um, because at one point I was praying for five people, and um, all over very petty things. And, like, two of them moved away. One of them died. My mother-in-law, she'd been ill, so. Um, but, and I really miss my in-laws. I mean, I re- today I really miss my in-laws. Um, and her biggest flaw was just loving the hell out of her son, my husband. I mean, she thought this man walked on water. And I'm like, not really, not so much. But that was her flaw, you know, so I had to pray for her. Um, And then the other two, whatever the resentment was, it just evaporated. So, I mean, it, and I've called sponsors and I've said, with my my boss, Michelle, that I just told you about, um, I remember saying to my sponsor, I know the program works, but it's not going to work on this one. It's not going to work on this one. And, you know, she goes, well, let's just see. And sure enough, it did, you know. And um, so I just, I, you know, I, I guess it, it I don't know. I, I, and I had a sponsor who once said to me, not everybody's here for the same reasons. And I'd never, I don't, I still don't really understand that because, you got to have somewhere better to go, right? What the heck are you here for if you're not here to improve and grow, you know, lose weight and become a better person? For me, that's what the program's all about. You know, I came here for the vanity. I didn't know I needed sanity. <laughs> I stay here for the vanity. And, you know, when I retired five years ago, my weight went up, and now it's on the way back down. And I'm just really grateful that, you know, nobody threw me out of OA, you know, and, you know, it takes courage to come back, to come in, to come to meetings when your weight's not where you want it to be, you know, and it takes courage to come back after six months, um, if if you've been gone, Um, but I don't know anybody who's left and come back happier about it, that, 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 that really I've never heard, Um, and I've listened for it, (laughs) um, so I don't know what else I have to share, really. I, I just think you've got to work this thing the way it's written, 
And um, courage is about the fourth step. And before you get to the fourth step, you got to write steps one, two, and three. You got to do this thing in order. That's been what I was taught. Um, my inventories have been the four, the four columns um, because that cuts right to the heart of the matter. Um, and, you know, I like the idea of putting down the people I resented. I, you know, yeah, I'm all for putting that down on paper. And then you get to that fourth column about what's my part. And that's where, that's where the magic happens. And, and for me, the magic really happens in um, step seven, praying for those character defects to be removed. Because I can't, I can't change myself but God can, and I can take contrary action to try to bring about some changes, and my life is so much better for it, you know. Um, I'm not a perfect mother. I, I, I don't even know if I'm a great mother, I'm, I, but at least I've been an abstinent mother to the best of my ability, and, um, and a sober mother, and I mentioned sobriety because I got sober 28 years ago, because of the women in this program who talked about their dual addiction. So that's another thing my life is way better without. Um, so I think that's it for me. Thanks for being here. Um, now we have time for three-minute pitches. We ask those of you who wish to share to line up to my left. Please focus the topic of our meeting and end your share in three minutes to allow time for all who wish to share. Come on up. Thanks, Alice. I'm Cindy, compulsive overeater. This is a good topic, and I plan on to talk about courage. I have on my suit. I'm going to go swimming after... Uh, after I pitch and listen to one or two pitches. I uh, have uh, 37 years of very imperfect uh, abstinence recovery and 145-pound weight loss. And uh, I don't smoke anymore. I smoke two and a half to three packs of cigarettes a day when I came into OA. Um, this is a really good topic. I, too, have been a, uh, a prolific writer, journaler, writer. There's, uh, my voice in any form is like music to my ears. <laughs> you know, uh, speaking or writing or thinking. or <laughs> it's, just, it's just a beautiful, scary thing. Um, uh, it's really good to be here. Um, I'm, I tell you one of the uh, problems I, I have had with an inventories in the last, I'm going to say, 12 years, is the difficulty, honestly, in finding my part. And I, I'm not saying there's not a part, but the difficulty in finding my part. And I've embarked on, um, and one of my problems is also uh, I have a dual problem of taking the blame where I shouldn't. You know, that's a real character defect. But in order to keep peace, in order to make it right, in order to have people like me to have harmony, I've often been willing to accept responsibility that was not mine. And uh, so it's a, I think it's a, for me, it's a real compulsive overeater, low self-esteem. I, I want you, I want everybody to be okay, therefore, okay, it's me. And really the inventory really is about taking stock of the truth, uh, what I don't want to see, and um, what is true, and then not accepting 
what is not true. Um, so I've embarked on another one, same people, same group of people, um, and I'm uh, really trying to get to my defects in this. And honestly, some of them include um, the desire to hold on to anger uh, for power and to keep it alive, um, the desire to make them feel bad, which I'm not sure they do, but that's my desire. <laughs> Um, the desire to be a victim. Oh, I don't even like saying that. But the other day I was writing, I said, you know, that's that's some pretty um, significant defects, Cindy, <laughs> that you, you know, to look on in this. I just to not want to let go. It's a, not a good feeling. Even the knowledge, it's for you. You'll feel better, blah, blah, blah. I'm telling you, I uh, feel like I've been in the grip of... Um, something that has been beyond me and all I can do is keep doing inventories give it away and work forward it's all I really know how to do and I'm really grateful that we've been given a tool to do those kind of things Um, I'm going to go swimming pretty soon so thanks for letting me share I'm Judith, and I'm a compulsive overeater. And thank you so much for your share. I related, I related, I related. And when you talked about being a mother to teenage children, especially sons, uh, I thought, okay, I've got a story that I have got to share. Um, I had been sober and abstinent just a few years at the time. And one night I was preparing dinner, and I was cutting up vegetables for salad, and my son, who was about 14 at the time, was getting on my last nerve, not only getting on it, but he was jumping up and down on it, pulling it, shredding it, and tearing it. And I finally got to the point where I picked up the salad bowl, and I give myself credit, I didn't throw the bowl, I just threw the salad. (laughs) Just whoosh! And there he was, just looking stunned with salad dripping all over him. Um, My sponsor was not available at the moment. How dare she? Didn't she know she was supposed to be on 24-hour call? But what I did was the right indicated action. Uh, I called someone in program who had a teenager. And I started telling her what was going on, and she said, you know, I'm fixing dinner, and I'm in the middle of doing the salad, and my daughter is getting on my last nerve, and it doesn't sound like a bad idea at all. (laughs) um, I hope since then I've learned a little more patience uh, and a little more finesse. But uh, I didn't qualify, by the way. Um, I first came in in 79, and it took me from 79 to 95 to make a commitment to stay. So I know what it means to go in and out and come back with the weight up and then come in with... And sometimes the weight went up and down right in program. Uh, The difference is, instead of going like this... uh, July 15th, 95 was the day I came back. Uh, It's been like this. 
sometimes it goes up a little, sometimes it goes down a little, but uh, I definitely hang on to the tools. My top weight was 185, current weight 140. Went crazy when I got on scale last month and it said 141 uh, and called my sponsor. She was available. Uh, we've been together ever since February of 96. We're rooming together at the convention and um, I still call her every morning and commit my food. This is what I ate yesterday. This is what I'm eating today. It works. Thank you. Thank you. Hey everybody, I'm Frank and I'm a compulsive reader. Hi Frank. Four step. Uh, I just finished another one with a sponsor and one of the things that I keep bringing up and I just can't let go is my father was very crazy. He was a somewhat of a heavy drinker but he never said he was an alcoholic but I had that craziness in the family where he'd come home and sometimes the family would be so wonderful and then sometimes you'd come home and it'd be crazy and you just don't know what's going to happen when you walk in the door. And I was very sensitive to this. I mean, I had my radar out, so when I'd walk in the door, I could try to figure out, is it okay to talk to anybody? Is it not okay to talk? That kind of stuff. And um, so we're going over the inventory, and I'm bringing this up. And my, when my sponsor just said, so what's your part in this? And I go, I, I don't know. He was crazy. But see, my part was, and we talked about this, is I never let go of it. Even I'm still holding on to it right now. And he says, we have to figure out a way for you to let go of this because it's over. I mean, you know, my dad passed away. You know, 30 years ago, and I still can't let go of this craziness in my, that I grew up with. And so my dad's not doing it to me. I'm doing it to myself. Um, I don't know. I've, I've worked many a four-step, about four of them. And uh, every time, you know, um, maybe I get a little more clarity. You know, they talk about, you know, the path gets smaller. I don't think it gets smaller. I think the, the path gets clearer to me. I think it just gets, like, my life gets a little more manageable as I work the steps. And that's the thing that I always think about is that, you know, I'm powerless over food, but my life is unmanageable. If I sit and I talk to people, I read the books, I talk to my sponsor and do whatever I have to do, my life just gets a little more manageable. And so I don't, I'm not that crazy anymore. And uh, I don't know. Um, I, I used to think when I came into these rooms, I thought it was Superman. I thought I could everything would bounce off me, that, you know, there was nothing wrong with me. There was always something wrong with you guys, but, you know, nothing wrong with me. And, you know, if I just did what I was supposed to do, life was going to be better. And uh, I heard this lady share one time, and I decided I'm not going to be Superman anymore. This lady, I'm just going to repeat. And that's the nice thing about these rooms. We hear things, and we can use them ourselves. So the lady said she was a toaster. And I go, a toaster? And, I, and I'm listening to this lady, and she said that, um, she was a broken toaster that it, the wiring wasn't right. And as you work the steps and stuff, your wiring gets corrected, you know. And, you know, you, the toaster can get completely rebuilt and it's perfect. The problem is without a higher power, it doesn't work. So you have to figure out where to plug it in, right? <laughs> and so she goes, okay, I want to plug myself into my higher power on a daily basis. And she plugs her toast, she plugs it in. And she says, now, I'm still not doing what I'm supposed to do because a toaster makes toast. And so you have to go out and find some bread and you have to toast it. But then you can't hold on to it because the toaster has to get, you have to make more toast. You have to figure out how to give it away. And this is the thing. She says she wanted to be a toaster. And I'm, and I'm sitting there thinking, I go, what a wonderful metaphor to think about. You know, no more, you know, 
Superman and bullets bossing off of me. I'm just a little machine that's sitting there that I have to find my higher power every day, and I have to make toast and give it to somebody, you know. And uh, if that's the best I can do today, then, you know, I hope you like your toast light today because I'm not doing too good. But anyways, <laughs> thank you. We have plenty of time. I um, I could talk about a few things I did to warm up to my four-step inventories, um, because I because I would be angry, you know. I and so I drew pictures of the people I was angry with to about, and I would put the picture on the floor and put on stilettos and smash the their pictures like to smithereens um you know i god and then i would draw pictures and i'd burn them you know i i took my daughter to new orleans last summer and i wanted to buy those voodoo dolls and she the whole thing just creeped her out so much so i didn't come home with any voodoo dolls but i like that whole thing of you know poking the hole in the guy you're mad at or something you know and she's like mom that's creepy don't buy those you know like she i don't know what she thought they were creepy but i don't know that might be another tool for um uh you know our uh letting go of the anger and and the resentment um and one of the things that um the um Taking this action, like writing a four-step, writing an inventory, these are our leaps into freedom. And like following a food plan for me gives me freedom. Because if I'm not clear with my food, if I'm not following a food plan, if I'm following Alice's plan, then it consumes everything else. And I'm not available to be living my life. And I've had miracles in this program that wouldn't have happened had I not had a program to follow. Um, and I can give you a couple examples of those. Um, one is my cousin is best friends with somebody who worked in the Reagan White House. She was a press secretary for Nancy Reagan. And I was going to Washington, D.C., and she goes, well, you got to call Wendy. And I'm like, I can't call Wendy. I don't know this person, Wendy. Who's Wendy? She's like, she works in the friggin' White House. I can't call her. Took a deep breath, called Wendy. Oh my gosh, she gave me a personal tour of the White House. You know, and of course I'm such a dip. I'm like, well, can I go in the Oval Office? And she's like, no, that's where the president works. Um, but she and I stayed in very close contact for, I don't know, 10 years. And we had, it was so much fun getting to know her. And she and I had more in common than my cousin and I, honestly, you know. Um, and then another time, because the program has taught me to be a decent human being, and I want to be a decent human being because if I'm a jackass, I have to write a four-step inventory, and then I have to make amends. So um, I was on a plane, and um, like I told you, I had a fabulous career, and I was flying home from England, from London, I think, and I was in first class because, you know, I had a great career and that's what they let us do. And these guys got on the plane and I thought, who are these guys? These guys are something. They are something. And in instead of acting, you know, aloof and better than and, you know, because that's who I am. I'm better than or worse than, right? I just acted like a decent human being. 
and just, you know, the guy comes and sits next to me, and I said, hi, how are you? He goes, you know, with his little British accent, fine, how are you doing, blah, blah. He was the nicest guy. I was just a decent human being. It turns out he was Paul McCart- part of Paul, Paul McCartney's band, and they were on their way to L.A. to, to do a concert. And, um, of course, I'm such a dip. I go, oh, are you guys wings? And he's like, no, not exactly, like, because that was, it wasn't, it wasn't, it was post wings. But um, he gave me backstage passes, like front row seats that I took my friend Cindy to. And we so we're driving to the, I, whatever it was, the Staples Center, where, where I can't remember where it was, or the Forum in L.A., and... Um, I go, Cindy, I'm scared. What if the tickets aren't there? She goes, I'm scared for you, you know. But we went. The tickets were there. We're, like, in the friggin' third row. And then we had the backstage passes. I can't go backstage. You know, I'm no, like, I mean, you guys look at me. I mean, okay, so maybe 20 uh, 20 years ago I looked a little more hip, you know. But I'm no, like, what are those, you know, those those Hollywood type people who like are all that, right? So again, we show up back there, and he remembered me, and he said, "It's so nice that you came." And you know, it was that was it. But I mean, I have four million of those stories because the program has taught me how to be a decent human being. If I'm not a decent human being, I have to write a four-step inventory, and then I have to make amends. I don't like doing that. So it comes back to being a decent human being. And because of acting like a decent human being, I get so many blessings. I just, you know, you know, like I have a, a, a friend in program who says she has a life beyond her wildest dreams, and I can honestly say that today. You know, I, you know, my kids are healthy. My, my husband's healthy. Um, I love where we live. I love, you know, I love being retired and consulting. Um, I, I still am so attached to this <laughs> global candy company that, you know, you guys read about all the time. Um, and it's just, and it's all because of the program. Because the program taught me, if somebody calls you, you call them back. If you make a mistake, you tell your boss, I screwed up. Because I had a boss who said, you know, I'm so glad you told me, because if I don't, if I know about it, I can help fix it. If I don't know about it, I can't do anything. So early on, that honesty principle, which is step one, was really important to me. And that it's uh, all my success is due to this program. You know, I came in here to lose weight to get married because then I thought I was going to be okay. That's why the wedding picture is one of the pictures I pass around. I was abstinent for nine long years before I got married. And then, of course, I had resentments about people taking 60-day chips. I'm getting married on Saturday, you know, because I thought being married was going to solve everything. All that did was set up a whole new realm of problems because I am best alone in my condo eating a big salad watching an Emilio Estevez movie. That's that's where I'm the best. That's the best. And then dealing with people, I call, you know, roommates being my husband and my two children is difficult really difficult for me, you know, and it's only because of this program that I can do that. I heard a woman share in, um, in a meeting that she got divorced after three months, and I thought, you know, so I'm like a newlywed, and I'm thinking, I just got to make it to four months. If I can just make it to four months, <laughs> you know, and we, we will have been married almost 20 years. So, and that's only because of this program, you know, only because of this program. So, um, 
I'll just, I don't know if there's anybody else who wants to share. I, I think we've, I mean, you guys get time off for good behavior if you don't. But um, I'll just leave you with the, um, one of the quotes I took out of four today. Courage is resistance to fear, mastery of fear, not absence of fear. So just because we're afraid, we do it anyway, you know. And really the program has been contrary action for me. Um, and I'll just, the last thing I'll say is, um, and it's risky, but I'm counting calories right now. And um, I said, but we are not, I told my sponsor, they say we're not a diet and calories club. And she said, I don't care what they say. I need to count calories. And, you know, of course, I had to check this out with 400 other people in program. And they said, you know, people who are thin or who maintain a weight loss know exactly what they're putting in their bodies, whether it's calories or carbs or points or whatever. So, um, you know, I was afraid. I've never counted calories in my life, you know, and... Um, I'm counting calories, and my weight's going down, and I, I love my food, and there's plenty of it, you know? Um, so, you know, it's like it's just an evolving it's just an evolving thing with me, you know? And I'm so glad I've got a place to evolve and a place that evolves me because God knows I needed it when I got here. Thank you so much for being here. <laughs>